Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Let's get over to Acts chapter 8. Now let me just set a little foundation like we did last week. We're going to get a little more defined in what we're talking about tonight. The disciples, as they walked and talked with Jesus for some three and a half years, didn't have a hard time hearing from God. You say, well, why not? Well, he was walking right there with them. Amen. And then the last thing he said to them in Acts chapter 1 was to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he of me, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, in the Old Covenant, there were indications through the Word of God, through revelation, of God's desire to speak into the lives of His children. But, but Israel was, were not the children of God. They were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the servants of God. Therefore, God's communication to them was limited. Everybody say limited. Actually, God spoke to them through three types of people. Through the prophet, through the priest, and through the king. But that did not mean that there were not individuals that could not hear the voice of the Lord. It was rare. I said it was rare. He didn't speak. God didn't speak to Israel under that old covenant the way he speaks to the church today. Now let me say this. There's there's different levels in which God communicates. Number one, you must receive God's communication to you first and foremost as parental. You say, what do you mean parental? Well, he's your heavenly father. I said he's your heavenly father. So you've got to kind of regress in your own mind. You may be 80 years old here. You may be 60 years old. You may be 40 years old. You may be 20 years old. But you've got to regress in your mind back to the time in which you were a child. Amen. And the parental voice in your life, well, you know, I know some people had had a tough upbringing or whatever, but for the most part, The parental voice in your life was a voice of security, a voice of assurance, amen, a voice of instruction, a voice of direction, amen, and it was also a voice of provision in your life. I mean, Breland, she's not shy a bit about asking for her allowance. Can I have my allowance? Amen. Well, why why would she even ask? Because she has received the voice, the parental voice of her father that has given her allowance ever since she's been a little kid. So she expects it. And if I forget to give it to her, she reminds me. And that doesn't bother me. She responds as a child. I respond as a father. And, you know, Jesus talked about that to his disciples and talked about how how the kingdom of God is like children. He likened the kingdom unto children responding to a benevolent, loving, kind, heavenly Father. So you've got to literally begin to think about God communicating to you on a parental level. And with that, now this is an important point, comes also the authority of a parent over a child. A lot of people have not given God His proper place of authority in their lives as He being the Heavenly Father, they they being His children. They wonder why communication is so strained. They wonder why it's so hard to hear from the Lord. It's because you've not yielded to that authority. 
And when you do not yield to parental authority, there's a word for that. Does anybody know the word? Rebellion. And it's hard for rebellion, rebellious children to get anywhere in their relationship with their father. So you've got to make a decision. I'm going to hear from my heavenly father. I'm going to hear from God. He's going to talk. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to give him his place of authority. Now, we, we talked about last week the primary way. This is the most important way. This is the way God keeps you safe. This is the way God instructs you. This is the way he gives you doctrine. This is the way he corrects you is by and through his word. That's why it's important to read the word every day. We said this last week. God's word is God speaking to us. Everybody say, God's word is God speaking to me. Say it again. God's word is God speaking to me. One more time. God's word. Is God speaking to me? You must establish that in your life. If you do not, then you'll get off on all other kinds of tangents and other ways that God desires to talk to you will be, will be confused, will be muddled, will be distorted because God knows that if you're not solid on His Word, how can He communicate to you in a supernatural way in which you're not willing to take the natural path of just getting into His Word and letting Him speak to you? Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 7. He said, He that believeth on me as the Scriptures hath said. Now, not as, not as how Grandma had some experience or how, 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 how great Aunt Josie had some experience. No, how as the Scriptures hath said. That, that's what keeps us safe. That's what keeps us grounded in the Word of God. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having an experience. There's nothing wrong with having uh, 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 something supernatural, a vision, a dream. We'll talk about some of that in just a moment. But listen, when God speaks to you, it should always line up with the Word of God. It should always line up with the Word of God. Because when you get off into things, now let me just say this. This is a little trail we'll take. You can have experiences, especially in prayer. If you pray and intercede, you can have experiences. And you say, well, Pastor, I've had some experiences, and, I, and I've been digging in the Word, and I don't know if I can find anything like but I know it's God. Well, I don't doubt you. But you can't take an experience and build a doctrine on it. You can't be, take an experience and promote it. You can't take an experience and begin to teach that to other people and say, this is the way God thinks. It will not work. It will, it will literally destroy you. There was a ministry back in the late 80s and early 90s that I'm telling you what, this guy was, was, was blowing and going on a level that, that, that I've not seen many men in ministry uh, do, and he did it pretty quick. And within just a few years, this guy had what was on television internationally, had a church of over 10,000, and I'm telling you, it's just every blessing you could think of was, was hitting his ministry. And he, has, he was a prayer guy. It's one of the things I appreciated about him. He's a man, this guy was a prayer guy. And he would pray. And man, when he was solid on prayer, he was solid. But he began to have some experiences in prayer. And I do not doubt that his experiences were of God. But he departed from his revelation of the Word of God and began to teach and preach that which he had experienced. And in two years, his ministry was destroyed. In two years, it was destroyed. And to this day, I, I've, I haven't heard of him in, in 25 years. Hadn't heard of him holding any meetings. Hadn't seen him on TV. Hadn't heard anything about him in 25 years. The reason is, is God confirms his Word. God watches over His Word to perform it. His Word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish 
that were to it is sent and prosper in the thing in which it was sent to. So you've got to be, you've got to be extremely careful. You have to be extremely careful with dealing with things in the realm of the Spirit. For your adversary also exists and abides in that realm and would seek many times, especially for those whose hearts are after me, to distort, distract, and cause a dysfunction to happen in their heart and spirit. But stay solid upon the Word of God. And even though you may experience something here or something there, just stay steady on my Word and proclaim that which my Word says, and you'll be safe, and you'll walk as an overcomer, and you'll see my provision in every area. Well, hallelujah. Well, we'll just receive that. Amen? Uh, so be careful of those things. I don't even, I've had things happen to me I don't even share with Leah. I don't even tell her about it. You say, why? Because it's something between me and God. That's all it is. That's all it was. Let me say that again. That's all. You say, well, man, I had some great experience, and I feel like I need to share it. No, it's just between you and God. That's all it was. Just leave it there. Amen? Now, Acts chapter 8, if you want to turn over there real quick, I invite you to. Uh, an evangelist named Philip went to Samaria. The Bible said he preached Christ unto them. And wonderful things begin to happen. Lame people begin to, to uh, 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 be healed. Uh, miracles begin to happen. Uh, demons begin to get cast out. And a lot of people got saved. And the Bible says there was great joy in the city. didn't say there was great fear. It said there was great joy. Amen? Now, what's unique about this, about this story is you could imagine in Philip's life the promotion he felt. Now God's using him, not just as a, we see him the first time we see Philip, he's, a, he's just a, a deacon in the church. Now God has literally promoted him into a ministry office. And he's functioning, he's now Philip the evangelist. And he's doing the work of an evangelist. And now all of the, all of the uh, what, what would you say, all of the success that, that an evangelistic office could, could bring into somebody's life is happening for him. The crowds are coming. God is showing up. The message is being preached. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is flowing. But here's what's unique. Philip was able to discern that which was God, what, what God was doing in that there was an element in the, in the ministry that was missing. People were not getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And it did not take Philip too long to discern that if people are getting saved and delivered by the power of God and by the Holy Ghost, they need this experience we had back in Acts chapter 2. And I know some guys that minister in that. So he called for Peter and John. And the Bible said when Peter and John came down and they began to minister, that people began to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Now the Bible doesn't say they spoke with other tongues, but it indicates it. Because there was a saucer there named Simon. The Bible says when Simon saw. Well, what did he see? Well, he saw people speaking in tongues. It's obvious, amen. Well, anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is down here, let, let me get over here in the scripture, in verse 36. Now notice this. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is the desert. Now, notice the angel of the Lord. Everybody say, angel of the Lord. Now, this is a level of communication 
that we see in ministry. You say, what do you mean in ministry? Well, the angel of the Lord many times gives direction to ministerial gifts in order to bring them into places in which God desires for them to function in. Now, this is the point I want, want you to see. The, the first, whatever it is, unction or word from God that told him to go to Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. Now, you say, how do you know God told him to go there? The results. The results. The results are proof of the pudding. Amen. That that's exactly what God told him to do. He began to get Holy Ghost, Jesus, results. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and actually he went from ministering to the multitude to being able to minister to one. Now let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're in ministry like that, and I'm going to use this to illustrate something for all of us. If you've heard from God, and God exalts you into a position in which everything you're doing on a mass scale is working and working like clockwork, and then God speaks to you again to do something less, can you hear that? Can you hear it? Now, I'm telling you, that, that, that right there many times is an area where a lot of people miss it when it comes to God. Because there's a great willingness to do, you know, remember what, what, what the servant told Naaman the leper back in 2 Kings chapter 5. If God would have bid thee to do some great thing. Now Philip, now listen, he could have bowed up and said, no, wait a minute, God. Well, what's the deal here? I mean, obviously you want me to do this because you sent an angel to speak to me and to communicate. So it must be something you really desire for me to do. But I've got crowds. I've got healings. Devils are being cast out. People are getting saved. Why would, you, why would you take me out of this and send me to the desert to preach to one guy? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because God is God. And he does things the way he wants to. Here's what's unique. Philip heard and obeyed. He literally could have said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, I remember in my life, I was at Lakewood Church. Back then, Lakewood, this is before the, the large uh, building that sat 8,900 that Brother Osteen built before he went to heaven. This was the building before that. And this is a building that set 5,000 people in the most rickety little chairs you ever saw in your life. They were horrible. We finally got delivered of them. Brother Kenneth Copeland came and preached four hours on a Sunday night. And Brother Osteen had to sit on those chairs for four hours. And he got up the next Sunday morning and repented. And we bought nice seats the next Sunday. We bought nice theater seating. Amen. But we had 5,000 people on Sunday morning twice. We had 5,000 people on Wednesday night with people standing 5 to 10 in the back every night. People say, well, why don't we have that now? It's not the same move of God right now. Now, let me help you with that just a little bit. When Lee and I were having a hamburger the other night, we drove by a place where uh, somebody that we know very well who's a very well-known, Speaker, I can mention his name. Everybody know who he was. Was speaking in a local church around here, and we drove by, and, and we were so shocked at the at the at the size of the crowd. Looked to be maybe three to four hundred people, maybe two to three hundred cars in the parking lot. Well, when we used to do camp meetings with this guy, this guy when he would come, you would have to have the police come and direct traffic, and there would be thousands in the meeting. You say, well, what's going on? What's happening? What was going on back in the 80s is not going on anymore. 
What was going on back in the 90s is not going on. And if you do not understand, we are in between two moves of God. Two things will happen to you. You will look back at what God was doing, yearn for that, but you'll never contend for what God wants to do. So what we're doing is contending for what God wants to do. Amen. Uh, but, but the point I want to make is this. When it comes to hearing from God, it does not matter what He says, how He says it, or where He says to do it. You've got to obey God. So I was at Lakewood Church. And our family has known the, the Osteen family since, what, the early 60s. And, and, and Brother Osteen and, and his wife, Dodie, and their five kids came to our church for a year, for a whole year. I was in his first meeting that he ever heard, held. He held a crusade in the auditorium of Pasadena High School in Pasadena, Texas, and I was in that first meeting. Well, here I came to his Bible school years later, and, you know, uh, of course, he knew mom and dad, and, and I got reacquainted with him, and, and here I said, I remember when Lee and I got married, we went to a minister's meeting. And, you know, Brother Osteen, he always came into the meeting late because he was older in those days and didn't have time to shake hands with 5,000 people. But anyway, he came, and, and the ushers had saw me come in, so they seated me on the aisle about two, two rows back from him. So he came in, and praise and worship's going on, and he's worshiping. We're worshiping God, worshiping God. And I look. He looks back, and he sees me, and so he just gets out of his seat, and he walks back. And he walks over to the aisle where I'm sitting, and he reaches across me and grabs Leah by the hand like this. Pats her on the hand. And says, so you're the one that married Rusty. And she's kind of looking like, this is John Osteen. And, and, and she goes, yeah, yes, sir. And he goes, I pity you. And turned around and walked off. <laughs> but that's the kind of relationship I had with him. I wasn't just someone in the church. I mean, I was, I was one of his favorites. And I thought, man, in my mind, I saw myself going to the world from Lakewood Church. I mean, I saw it. I mean, he even asked me, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How can I help you? I thought, oh, my God, what an opportunity. I, I, I've got the favor of Brother John Osteen. Amen? So I go, I'm invited to preach in a little uh, prayer conference in Angleton, Texas. Uh, the pastor's name, what was that guy's name? He owns the Chrysler dealership in Angleton. He owned the Chrysler dealership. His name was... Uh, I'll remember it in a minute. Anyway, we're down in his meeting. There's probably 40 people there. And so we're, we're, we're teaching the word. Uh, I'm there, and I meet this red-headed preacher. His name was Walter Hallam. And so, you know, he taught one hour, and I taught an hour, and then they had another speaker that taught. So we're standing there talking. Who are you? What are you doing? Well, who are you? What are you doing? He says, well, I've, I've started a church, and in, 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 actually I started it in Texas City, he told me, in the, in the hotel over on the, uh, on the dike. He said, but now we've moved to the, to the Emkin Lytton funeral home across the street from the post office in Lamarck. He said, why don't you just come and preach for me one Wednesday night? I said, well, sure, I'd love to. And so he gave me his phone number on a little card, so I called him, so we set it up. So I went and preached for him. There was 20, 30 people there. They sang a few songs. I got up and preached. I remember we had like two people got filled with the Holy Ghost that night. So that was over. He gave me a little offering. I went home, never thought nothing about it. The next day in prayer, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm telling you, it was a strong, it wasn't just an unction, a feeling, or a perception. It was a word from God in my spirit that said to me, you need to leave Lakewood Church and you need to go join this little church that meets in a funeral home. Well, I wasn't as spiritual as Philip. 
I'm, I wasn't. I mean, the first thing I said was this. I bind you, devil. In the name of Jesus, you that would try to attack my vision. I'm going to the world with the gospel. And how dare you take me out of Lakewood Church and try to put me in some little old church somewhere. But see, you got to understand, God always speaks on the level of bringing you into his provision. Amen. Of all of the eligible young women at Lakewood Church, a few of them were being aimed at me. God's provision wasn't there. God's provision was at Abundant Life Christian Center in Lamarck, Texas. And that's where I met Leah. That's where my brother, who when I came back to the Lord, was not serving the Lord, I guess what, maybe a year, year and a half, and Pat began to come, and Mom and Dad began to come to, to Pastor Hallam's church. And Alan was not serving God. Mom Goodwin came down on a, on a particular night. We'd been married, I guess, about a month or a month and a half. And, and, and she just had a way with Alan. And we'd gone out to Guido's, and, and we came, went over to the house, and, and Nana began to flow in the Holy Ghost. And, and she looked at Alan. She said, now, honey, what are you doing for the Lord? And he just melted like butter on the floor. He'd been serving God ever since. Amen? That might not have ever happened if I'd have stayed at Lakewood. Now, I'm not saying that God would never have brought Alan in. Sure, he would have done it however he, you know, however he wanted to. But that's the way he did it. And in that church, we learned a lot about how churches grow, how churches develop. We learned about ministerial organizations. We learned about Bible school. We learned about evangelism. And we launched our ministry out of that church. And God has blessed us. But we had to hear from, well, years later, 15 years later, our ministry had grown. God had prospered us. God had blessed us with Brother Roland. He's working for us now. Their family is working in our ministry. Others are working. I think Ben was volunteering. Ben, you were just a kid back then. He's still a kid, isn't he? But he was volunteering in the ministry, and, and others were working. We were, Lord, we were packing up big old suitcases full of, and boxes full of, uh, of cassette tapes and sending them all over the world and preaching all over the world. And, man, I'm telling you, we were blowing and going. And God says, now it's time to leave Abundant Life Christian Center. It's time to go down to Galveston and start Island Church. Well, I wasn't as spiritual as Philip. <laughs> I said, devil, I bind you. We're fixing to buy an airplane. We just bought a building. We're taking off. Rod Parsley had asked me, come preach in his church. Steve Muncy had said, come hold me a revival. I mean, we were stepping up into the, into the larger, charismatic, Holy Ghost churches. I'm telling you, it looked like we had the world by the tail. And God said, no, you stop doing all of that. And you go down to Island, Galveston Island, and you start Island Church. Well, that took about five years for us to obey that word. But here's the thing. When God speaks to you and speaks into your life, now I, I'm using ministerial things, but there are also for every person, now this is so important, and I'll close with this because I, I don't want you to, to get anything else but this. This was a major decision for Philip to leave Samaria. A major decision. And it ended up with one guy getting saved. But the one guy was a key guy in a nation. And if you go study the history of Ethiopia, it goes all the way back to Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who came and visited Solomon 
And there was interaction between Israel and Ethiopia all through their history. And God sent somebody who was a Jewish proselyte to Jerusalem at a feast day and then brought them out and got them saved. Baptized in water and all things being equal, probably filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. In your life, there are going to be major decisions that need to be made. You say, well, I'm not in the ministry. I'll never have a de- Yes, you will have major decisions. Now, let me just say this. Now, you may think, well, you just think that because you're a pastor. I'm going to tell you this. I'm gonna, I've watched it for years. The number one at the top of the list, major decision of your life needs to be, where do I, where do I go to church? What church do I join myself to? Where is the body? See, a lot of people don't think that's important at all. They think, well, I'll just go, I'll move anywhere I want to, and I'll just find me a good church to go to. That's where people miss it. Because we are the what? We are the body of Christ. And I learned this from Brother Osteen. You're not my sheep. You're his sheep. You're the sheep of his pasture. But I've heard people for years, well, we got a job promotion. We need to move to this city over here. Or we were counseling some people the other day. Well, it's just a convenient place for us to be. And our question, well, has you, have you found a church? Well, we're just looking. That's where people get off. Church is so important to God. So important to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your place of protection against us. And I would have thought God would have left me in the big church. And he took me out of the big church and put me in the little church. And then the little church became the big church. Then he took me out of that big church and put me in a church that didn't even exist yet. But it all had to do with church. Because he's coming back for what? A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I have seen people sell out revival in their lives for a dollar an hour extra in their pay. I've seen the enemy lure people out of Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, on-fire churches and lure them off to some dead area and they never, ever recovered. Got a few extra bucks in the, in the, in the job or whatever it was that, that they were following after. But here's the thing. If you can hear his voice for where you're supposed to be planted, you can pretty much hear his voice for anything. Because those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And I don't understand why God moves people the way do. We were just had a conversation with the other day with the people that are praying about coming here. And we were just like, we didn't want to say, yeah, come, come, come. We were like, you need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me as the pastor of this church. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. You And they were saying why they wanted to, why they didn't want to, what, what, what they need, what they don't. I said, all oh, that's well and good. But what you need to do is you need to hear the voice of God and if you can hear the voice of God and be planted in the house of God then you will begin to flourish in all the things that have to do with the kingdom and if you will begin to value where God plants you you'll begin to participate with the anointings that are upon that house oh I could teach on that my goodness because I've seen so many people that don't do it. But if you'll do it and throw yourself into what God's doing and forget about personalities and forget about conflicts and forget about this, forget about that, learn to walk in love, learn to do what you're supposed to do, then I guarantee you there will be a time in your life when great flourishing will begin to happen and it will be a locational blessing. 
And when you understand that and realize that, then instead of fighting to get out, you'll fight to stay in. Because God is always speaking. But one of the number one arenas in what he speaks in is in the local church. Through the pastoral teaching gift, as the Word of God goes forth, the Holy Ghost broods, just like he did in creation, where the Spirit of God brooded and looked for a place where the Word of God began to direct him to create. The same thing happens in a meeting, where the Holy Ghost will brood over a meeting and look for open hearts to drop the seed of the Word of God in every time the Word of God is preached. And if you're willing and obedient and open and receptacle, receptive to that which God is saying, then I guarantee you he's going to start dropping seeds in you that's going to produce fruit, financial fruit, healing fruit, miracle fruit, blessing fruit, family fruit, marriage fruit and whatever other kind of fruit you need in your life God will do it and he'll do it in your life now let me close with this it's kind of fun I was praying because I'm always praying over the crowds praying we learned years ago in our field ministry Roland could testify to this we people would say things like this to us well you know we don't know if we can have an extended meeting people just won't come to the meetings so I begin to tell people don't say that I begin to tell pastors don't say that you know, you hamstring your ministry when you're the one that says people won't come to any special meetings because you're the authority in that church. And when you begin to say, you know, don't come to any meetings, people don't come to meetings, they're not going to come. You've only, that's what you believe in your heart, that's what you're confessing with your mouth. So you, you get the biggest preacher in the world to come and ain't nobody going to come. That's just the way it is. So I'm always praying, over, Lord, just put on people's heart to be in the house of God. Let them, let them come and worship God. Let them be in the presence of God. Let them be ministered to by the anointing. Let them hear the word of God. And so I asked the Lord one time, I said, how many people are supposed to be in church on Wednesday night? And you know, the Lord answered me. He said, all of them. I said, Lord, I ask you how many? Give me a number. He said, 385. I said, 385? Where'd you get that number? He said, that's how many chairs you have. You'll find out God is really practical. <laughs> Amen. But what we see is a testimony of what we do not hear. That's the biggest complaint in churches today. We can fill up the house on Sunday morning, but nobody come on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Well, here's the key. And, you know, I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you're here on a Wednesday night. God is always beckoning people to his house. He's always drawing people to his house. He's always pulling on hearts to be in the house of the Lord. I never understood that when mom and dad used to take us to church every sir, every time. I mean, we, my, my stomach hurts. That's okay. Dad good one. I'll pray for it when we get there. <laughs> well, dad, I got homework. You'll do it when you get home. Amen? I mean, we, we, come, we try every excuse in the world. None of it worked. None of it worked. But in that church... We experience the presence of God. We experience the provision of God. We experience the anointing of God. And even in children, God can put something in them that when they get old, it doesn't matter how far they get away from God, God will draw them right back in because something eternal is put into their spirit. And if we realize that and recognize it, then we'll begin to value what God says about the church and about how He sets up His communication system from what we learn in the church and in so doing, he keeps us protected and safe and blessed. Amen. You love the Lord tonight. Let's lift our hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this evening. We thank you for your word, your provision, your blessing. And Lord, we thank you. We can hear your voice. Just like Philip heard in Acts chapter 8. Lord, as the, as the angel of the Lord spoke to him, he heard and obeyed and responded 
And that Ethiopian eunuch was saved. What a wonderful thing for him. Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, tonight, as we leave, as is our custom and our tradition, we thank you for our protection. We thank you for our safety. We declare over us as a church, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Father, I thank you that we as your people walk upon serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. Lord, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, as we handle the provision that you've given us, the, the resource in which is the righteous labor of our hands, we declare there's no trauma, no terror, no tragedy. Evil plans of wicked men does not matter. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Father, thank you for the door of utterance we have outside the church. Lord, let us be laborers that you've called us to be. In the harvest for its plenteous, open a door. Bring someone across our path that we can share light and life with. In Jesus' name we ask. Fathers, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. Lord, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. See you on Sunday. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.